Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to what is going to be yet another spectacular podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon and in audio format, Volumes 1 through 6 at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. Christmas is coming. I'd like everybody out there to buy a book and stuff it in somebody's stocking somewhere. And now, without any further ado, my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic. We got a nor'easter sweeping through here today, and it's kind of gray and windy and rain flying around, and it's a little bit nutso. We got wind here, but it's uh, kind of partly sunny. But last night, man, we got hit with the thunderstorm of thunderstorms. <laughs> Did- I thought I was like living in London during World War II and the Luftwaffe <laughs> was coming in. You didn't see any Rougarous flashing through the bay window, did you? No, but to be honest, I wasn't looking out for them. <laughs> that would have been all I needed, like the big flash of light and pointy ears on the second story looking in the window. <laughs> and a coyote snout smiling at you. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, my goodness. You know, that Louisiana lightning encounter that I named it, I can only imagine sitting in that living room with the little baby and the <laughs> wife baking and whatnot and seeing that in the window would be like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I, I was talking to a fellow in uh, a couple of people over the past uh, few days. And thanks, folks, for uh, chiming in with us. Uh, all of you people out there know who you are that I've spoken to. It's always a pleasure to talk to the people and hear what's going on out there. And uh, the accounts that are coming in, Kev, uh, from people, sightings. And I always say, never think that what you saw or experienced is insignificant, because this is a connect-the-dots drawing. And uh, what you've seen is more than likely what dozens or hundreds of other people have seen or experienced. And the one thing that's unusual, or not unusual now because it's happened so frequently, dogs uh, react badly to the Bigfoot as well. Mm. Uh, Trained dogs, I've had two gentlemen, uh, two listeners that called in, uh, had trained dogs for hand commands, voice, 
voice and hand commands where the dogs either would not listen to them or they would just kind of back away uh, when the odor or the sighting of the Bigfoot occurred. They don't want anything to do with this creature. Yeah, well, we see that in some of the cryptid stories, too, right, where they say, like, the dog disappeared and then came back the next morning, you know, like after the event, whatever the event was. Yeah, yeah, they ran away or, you know, they just, uh, they have a bad sense about this thing. And, you know, what, what creeps me out about that, Kev, is, you know, most dogs, I mean, if they saw a cougar, uh, they'd probably start yapping and maybe trying to get close to it, but not too close, barking and barking and barking. But with these things, man, they just cower. Their hair stands up, they back off, they heel down to the ground or walk back to the house. It's a very strange phenomena. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think the smarter dogs, when they see something like a cougar, they know it's something they shouldn't mess with. I know, like... uh my uh, Martha, a Labrador retriever, she, I think if she saw a cougar and I was with her, she'd be like, she'd like poke me in the side of the leg and look at me like, what the hell is that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Should I bark at this or not? Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think I should. Yeah. <laughs> should I take the antagonistic role or uh, go eat a bone? And Martha would also say like, hey. If you got food in your pocket, I'm I'm good. Like I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> food trumps fear. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 just interesting, you know. Yeah, no, I people, agree. People people are seeing uh one of the listeners his daughter had come across an intense odor uh while she was leaving their house and then he experienced it uh many hours later as well. And uh you know, he described it as being like uh, fecal matter and skunk rolled into yeah, one. Yeah, well, and don't forget the dogs, you know, their sense of smell is roughly 2,000 times better than our sense of smell. Yeah. From what I've read. Yeah. And that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the, the cool story I heard about that to put this, bring the statistics to life, it's kind of like if you compared it to vision— if we could see a billboard, like when we're driving down the highway from about a mile away, uh, for a dog's sense of smell, again, comparing it to vision, they could see a billboard that was 2,000 miles away. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. Just nuts. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and we can't relate to that, you know, but that's why you see dogs hanging their head out the window driving down the road in a car. Oh, yeah, and also, like, you know, my dog, like, if I come walking in the house and I had something in my pocket— I mean, she comes right up to me, you know, even if it's not there anymore. Like, if there was a dog biscuit in my pocket, she comes up to me and pokes me right in the pocket where it was, like, to check, like, what's there? Yeah. I smell it. It's amazing, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so thanks again to all of our listeners who contact us, and we encourage you to do the same. If you've seen something, say something. Uh, I call a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. And uh, it's always interesting and uh, very fulfilling for me to hear what the people think of our podcast, Kev, the work we're doing, and just to have them become more of a part of it when I speak to them one-on-one, you know? Oh, I, I, 
I love it. I love I love getting the mail from them. You know where we're here talking to ourselves. You know, Bill and I, of course, we're not even in the same room. We're not in the same state. You know, we're <laughs> we're six hundred miles apart. So I'm kind of talking to him via Skype. <laughs> And we know you're all out there because we see the great reviews. We get all of the mail. And it's just fantastic all the time to hear from you. You know, we heard this week people that are waiting at midnight on Saturday night for the next episode to drop to listen to it. I mean, that is that is so cool. And uh, <laughs> uh, very, uh, yeah, it's just it's fantastic. So, yeah. Bill, we got a lot to talk about this week. I'm going to I'm going to open up, though, and tell people about uh, we have a new tab on on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. It's just called Fun Stuff on the main menu. And we've had a lot of mail coming in where, you know, we talked about me building these uh, plastic model warbirds. Uh, I call it the COVID Air Force because I only started working (laughs) on them after the shutdown. And so we had a lot of people asking for pictures of them. I have emailed out some of those pictures, and now I put some of them up on the website. And I'm just going to start putting stuff up there, you know, fun pictures, um, the ammo meme I put up there, uh, stuff like that. So whenever I see something interesting during the week or Bill sees something interesting during the week or you tell us or send us something interesting, I'll be doing my best to put it up there and fun stuff. So come back there and take a look. And speaking of interesting stuff, in our last podcast, we talked about the three-sided mysterious obelisk that was discovered out in the middle of nowhere in the Utah desert. And that thing was, well, you know, even though the Bureau of Land Management or whatever they're called, the folks that were out counting the bighorn sheep, they didn't actually release the location. People found out where it was. And like there were hundreds of people going out there and it's, um, you know, uh, Native American land and, you know, kind of sacred area. And they were kind of destroying the place, you know, to a certain extent, coming to see this thing. And then someone tore it down in the middle of the night. So and I actually found a YouTube video of the folks who they videotaped themselves tearing it down and carting it away. So the folks that took it away, I assure you, they didn't look like aliens. It looked like uh, me and Bill going out in the desert (laughs) with a sledgehammer. Um, But the really interesting thing is another obelisk just like it showed up in California and another one showed up in Romania. So uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, to be continued, right? We don't know who's if it was a global plan to distribute these things and play with everybody's minds or if something else is going on there. Yeah, and I actually, this week was so busy in my primary job, I haven't had a chance to, like, search around the corners of the Internet to see if uh, somebody's got something out there with, like, plans for this obelisk. You yeah. know, like, hey, uh if you want to have some fun, here's the plans for this obelisk. Uh, why don't you build one and try and put it somewhere? Yeah, well, you know, Kev, I have a confession. <laughs> uh, after work the other night, uh, I had just seen the uh, D.B. Cooper uh, <laughs> retake of, you know, him skydiving with the money over at Washington. Yeah. So uh, what I did was uh, I paid somebody to take me in a 727 over to Romania, <laughs> and I leaped out the rear staircase with the obelisk. 
Well, I hope you stopped to see Vlad's <laughs> castle while you were in Romania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what do we got today, bro, aside from yeah, our strange yeah, so, obelisk? So other than uh, the new tab and other than the mysterious obelisk, we're talking, I'll give you a hint, holy winged cryptids, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the Houston Batman. Wow. <laughs> Was there a Robin accompanying the Houston Batman? It might have been a Robin like the bird accompanying him. <laughs> oh, my God. The Houston Batman. Yeah, have you heard of this one? This is an old one. Uh, uh, my recollection's correct. Uh, somewhere in the early part of the 50s. Yes, yes. So, 1953, uh-huh. June 18th, um, and there's some cool newspaper articles on it. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it, and then I'm going to read the newspaper article to you. Okay. So, uh, from the Houston Chronicle on June 18th, 1953. But basically, you know, it's June in Houston, and if any of our listeners have ever been to Houston, I mean, in June, boy, it's hot as Hades, super humid. And uh, these folks were home, and uh, it was so hot, I guess they couldn't sleep, and they were sitting out on their front porch, probably having a glass of lemonade or sweet tea, and um, they um, they went and uh, out on the front porch, and they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, this dark shadow came across their yard, which is really interesting, right? Yeah. They're 2 a.m., and uh, they saw this uh, very tall, man-like figure in the pecan tree in their front yard with huge bat-like wings. Wow, that is creepy. Sounds a lot like Mothman. It is a little bit like Mothman. And uh, And then it was encased in this halo of glowing light, and then the thing kind of flew away, almost like on a rocket pack or something. You know, they don't talk about that, but they talk about the like the glow or the flames shooting away with it and across the sky. Yeah, because you would think it's got wings, so it didn't flap away like a hawk. No, no. Wow, that's no. interesting. So get this. I'm going to read you the article, okay? Oh. So it's not too long. So the headline is Houston Residence Site Batman... On tree perch in yard. Huh. Okay. So five persons, all of whom live in the same house, complained to police that they saw a combination of Superman and Captain Midnight perched in an oak tree outside their home earlier Thursday and said he disappeared in the light of a mysterious rocket and a second aerial display. Police said that they were investigating the stories, but admitted they were not equipped to handle such phenomena as the five persons described. And Miss Hilda Walker, who was 23, accompanied by her husband, Lloyd, was the first to report the affair to the authorities. She says the shadow settled in a tree. It was about 2.30 a.m., and because it was so hot, her husband, the 14-year-old daughter of the landlady, and herself were all sitting on the porch when the entire yard seemed wrapped in a heavy shadow. All of a sudden, this shadow settled in a tree, she said. 
we all looked up and saw a Batman. Hmm. He was balancing himself on a tree limb, and there was a dim gray light all around him. Wow. Yeah. Freaking weird. Weird, weird. Now, Kev, Kev, you said 2.30 a.m.? A.m., yeah. So this is early morning in the dark. In the pitch dark, I'm wondering how they see the shadow, though. Well, Uh, that, that... you know, I mean, maybe it just like seemed like darkness, more darkness coming across yeah, the yard. Yeah, that's what I I'm can thinking. imagine it. If like you're sitting just... out there and you can kind of, you know, you're sitting on the porch, the light's probably not on, you're looking around, and, uh, you know, your vision starts to adjust, and then you would see greater darkness, yeah. you know, of the type of a shadow. Yeah, right? exactly. The greater darkness. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And she said the creature was about six and a half feet tall. Wearing pants, quarter-length boots, and looked like a white man. Wow, that is freaking bizarre. Yeah, yeah, so get this. I could see him plainly and could see that he had big wings folded at his shoulders, she said. Wow. Walker and young Judy Myers, daughter of Mrs. Vivian Myers, agreed in all respects of the description. Did they and then, then, oh, go ahead. No, did they say he was wearing Levi's or Hager's? <laughs> I like the quarter length boots. <laughs> That's kind of what Batman was wearing, right? Quarter length boots with a brass buckle. And the little cuff over the boots, you know. This is really a bizarre story, man. Hey, <laughs> you know, I specialize in the bizarre yeah, and yeah. cryptids in the news. <laughs> so, so then they go on to talk about the mysterious white light. They said after the Batman perched in the tree a few moments while they sat paralyzed and watched, a mysterious white flame and smoke shot from behind from behind and a burning object like a flying paintbrush scooted across the horizon and the Batman faded away from view. So it's kind of like it kind of lit up a rocket and flew out of the tree and darted across the sky and disappeared. You know, if you just think about this for a second, Kev, if you really wanted to spend the night in a sanatorium, this would be a good way to begin the night. <laughs> I mean, rockets? So li- yeah, listen to this. Smoke? Listen to this. So, so Mrs. Myers said she got home just in time to see the flying paintbrush scoot across the sky. So that's the mother of the the daughter. Right. And then another rumor, you know, R-O-O-M-E-R, so I guess this was some kind of like a rooming house, who was age 71, said he saw the weird shadowy fellow in the tree, though he said he merely went back and went to bed. (laughs) The walkers agreed it couldn't have been their imagination and said that they were so upset they were thinking about returning to a town called Bryan that they had moved away from only three months earlier. I mean, so super weird, right? I mean, five people, uh, two of them related, well, two related to one another, Two of the other five related to one another, mother and daughter, husband and wife. And then this other guy who was like a tool and die maker that was uh, that woke up and saw the thing and then actually, you know, creeped out, but went back to sleep. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
And the fact that they describe it as looking like a white man dressed in clothing with wings, yep. sitting in a pecan tree, and then this glow around it, this gray glow, and then this thing just like bolts. I, I mean, the description. I get what I get. The paintbrush thing going into the distance because if it was like yeah, a it makes sense. It reminds you. Uh, reminded me of the uh, Wicked Witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz <laughs> <laughs> when she flies away. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you, my fine pretty, and your little dog too. Uh-oh, now we're going to get letters from witches. <laughs> Very strange, you know, and the fact that it made the headlines, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a weird thing, you know. Who the heck knows? I mean, it turns out it really didn't look like Mothman at all. No, no, but there's some interesting stories about it. There's an interesting little YouTube video about it, which I'll post on uh, with the uh, with the web with the podcast in uh, uh, under the episode description uh, from a guy named Gerhard. Uh, his last name is Gerhard. He's a uh, um, cryptid uh, expert. And uh, he does a little video. He talks about the story. It's pretty cool. And then he talks generally about the fact that, you know, these flying humanoids, uh, especially around the Texas area, date back many, many years. So apparently there's been sightings of them for many, many years leading up to this one in the 1950s. And this is also the time in the United States where, um, you know, there were a lot of movies about um, you know, spaceship alien invaders, right? And uh, it was kind of uh, very serious Cold War going on, nuclear weapons, stuff like that, where people were generally kind of frightened, uh, more so than today, I think, of the unknown. Today we're just frightened of the unseen virus. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Kev, there are people out there, I disagree with it, by the way, as I say this, but there are people out there who uh, say that scientifically the furor over fear and uh, destruction and things posted in the news uh, contributes uh, to a mental state whereby people believe they've had these encounters. Do you, do you buy into that? I mean, I think it's heightened, but I don't think it causes it. Right. I mean, it's you like, know what I mean, it's kind of like if you if you um, you know, if you had just read the account of Louisiana Lightning, right? The dog man encounter in the thunderstorm. Right. Like literally before you went to sleep and then it started lightning out, you might be more likely to, you know, be frightened of something, right? Cuz it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. Kind of like you're more likely to dream about things. Uh, after, you know, dream about uh, scary things if you watch a scary movie before you go to sleep, right? Right, but like you or I, as much as we discuss Bigfoot, I don't go out in the backyard and imagine I see a nine foot tall, twelve hundred pound hair covered beast. No, I mean I, we we talk about it, we read about it, you know, we're watching the videos about it all the time, and uh, I'm out there hiking on the weekends and stuff, and I haven't seen one. Yeah, so no. uh, that's why I say I really yeah. don't buy into it. You know, like yeah, okay, the Louisiana lightning thing. 
uh, you see a flash, you see an outline of what you perceive as being a tall, pointy-eared, snouted beast in the window. Uh, there was more to that, by the way. I'm not taking away from that encounter. That was They had footprints in the ground. Uh, but I, I, I get it, you know, this idea of a flash, a shadow, an imagined thing, you know, a heightened sense of fear, lightning, the lights go out, you know, all of that stuff. But in general, I don't think uh, people's mental state, uh, unless it was induced by narcotics, would allow them to see uh, some type of uh, creature, you know? Yep. Cool. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. The Batman. Houston Batman. Wow, that is... I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Spring-Heeled Jack, too. Yeah, I, I, you know, because it has that human characteristic. Right. Like, you know, Mothman doesn't really have human characteristics, right? I mean, it's they say humanoid, flying humanoid, because it has two legs and stands upright. Right. But um, this, this they're described as a white man. You know, the three quarter length boots. The, you know, it's it sounds a lot like um, not not just like him, but more human, kind of like the Spring Hill Jack stories yeah, yeah. in the UK. Yeah, very bizarre, really bizarre Super stuff. Bizarre. And uh, to be continued. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're new to our podcast, in our first section, we can really talk about anything we want, the strange and the bizarre. We call it cryptids in the news and other oddities. Uh, and as you just heard from Kev, that was certainly under the other oddities category. <laughs> but excellent, man. You know, I'm really into this stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Now, speaking of uh, Bigfoot, as I begin to tell uh, you, our listeners, uh, about this account that was told to me by Michael Silvers, I thought it worth mentioning that the activities and sighting which he had reported had actually occurred within miles of another witness's testimony that I had recorded. Uh, The only difference being the time frame of the two uh, accounts. And this is what Michael had to say. My wife and I had made a move two years prior to the time when all of this had occurred. Coming from Buffalo, New York, to an an area downstate near a town called Herkimer. I was a welder by trade, but as I was now 67, I had given up most of the bulwark and had begun doing what I will call some custom design work, taking advantage of the access granted by the Internet. I had come up with a design for a somewhat universal set of transmission and motor mounts, which I could use to fabricate for use with Mercedes, Rolls Royces, and Jaguars to accommodate transplanting a Chevy V8 and tranny into any of the aforementioned vehicles. We had been living in this house for some two years, as I previously mentioned, and I had my shop set up in the barn located behind the house. I had put an exhaust system into the barn, along with a potbelly stove for heat. I also installed several double-hung windows to allow some light in 
as well as to give me some air when needed. One of these windows was installed directly in the middle of my main fabrication bench, from which I could look over the grassy field behind the barn. We had come to know some of the people in our area, and most of them seemed to be fairly level-headed individuals. The reason why I mention this is soon to be evident. As time went on, a number of things began to go missing around the yard. I had certain tools, such as a fan rake and a broom, that I frequently used and would leave in specific places. But they had all gone missing. Even after replacing them, the replacements had disappeared as well. Knowing full well that I wasn't born with powder for a brain, and that my wife wouldn't so much as lift a broom or a rake, my thoughts were running in the direction that some mischievous local was messing with me. The problem was that the nearby properties were inhabited by people who were 60 plus years old, and any of the younger folks who were predominantly away in school or were hard-working individuals, none of which came to my mind as being capable of such chicanery. I had decided to put up a couple of trail cameras, mounting them high in the eaves of the house in the hope of catching the culprit in the act. It was one evening in October of 2006, with the sun having set hours before that I was working on a jig while facing one of the double-hung windows in my shop. Now, whenever my welder hit the metal, a huge bright flash of bluish-white light illuminated the field through the window, much like the flash of lightning wood. Even with my welder's hood down, if I allowed my eyes to shift slightly, I could see the field being lit up outside of the window by the flash. That night, I had several sets of my adapters to fill orders on, and I was going to be in the shop for at least a few hours. It must have been about 45 minutes into my work that I swore I saw a figure in the yard that was illuminated by the flash of the welder. Of course, I couldn't just keep the welder going with my hood on to keep looking. When I had stopped and flipped my hood up, all was dark again. I grabbed my flashlight and a shovel to use for defense if necessary and walked outside. I went behind the barn to see if anything was out there, and there wasn't. At the time, I had chalked it up to my imagination and left it alone. It was several weeks later, being the first week in November, that I went outside on a Saturday morning to do some cleanup of fallen branches, and my wheelbarrow wasn't there. Or, or wasn't where I had left it. I habitually left it leaning against a large tree so that the water and or ice wouldn't accumulate in it, but it was gone. Now, understand me, please. One does not easily misplace a wheelbarrow and not know it. So I began to look around the property. I found the wheelbarrow about 300 feet from the house, sitting by the edge of my field, and one of the missing brooms was next to it on the ground. 
Unfortunately, none of the trail cameras were facing anywhere near to where this wheel bar had been leaning on the tree, and no pictures had been taken by either regardless. On that day, I moved everything and anything into the barn that could be carried off by hand, keeping my tools now under lock and key until I could get to the bottom of what was going on. If my recollection is correct, it was only two weeks later that I was once again out in the barn at night fabricating some adapters and facing the very same window on my workbench. After I had been working for about an hour, I saw a figure standing out in the field when the welding flash went off. The difference being that this time I continued to run a bead. It actually loused up my work in the process, but it allowed the light from the welder to stay on. As I looked up through the top of my shield's glass, I saw a huge Bigfoot watching what I was doing while standing in the field. I couldn't keep this bead going endlessly. And as I released the trigger, of course, everything went dark, including my being able to see the Bigfoot. I was certain as to what I had seen. It was a huge, hair-covered creature with long arms hanging away from what was an enormous V-shaped body. There was absolutely no mistaking it. Having now seen this beast, I was a little apprehensive about leaving the barn in the dark, and I phoned the police from my cell phone. All that I told them was that I saw someone someone standing in my yard through the window while I was welding. So he didn't say he saw Bigfoot to them. When the trooper came, I opened the barn and walked out to greet him. At the same time, my wife had opened the back door of the house, wondering what the heck was going on. The trooper began to walk around the area outside the barn while I stayed with my wife. While he was inspecting the area, I whispered to my wife that I had seen a Bigfoot, and her eyes lit up in amazement like two saucers. When the trooper came back, he said he found nothing. I told him about the missing tools and the like, and shortly thereafter, he left. The truth be told, having seen the monster, I was afraid to leave the barn and I had called the police for safety purposes, not knowing what could have happened to me otherwise. As my wife and I were in the kitchen discussing what I saw, I told her that my belief was that this creature was being drawn into the yard by the flashing light coming from the welder. When I saw it, the beast seemed to be mesmerized by the light coming on and off as I welded. It was just standing there watching. During the days following all of this, I had painted the glass in the windows flat black. I had asked my wife to stand behind the barn as I welded to see if any light escaped, to which she said no. With the windows now blacked out and all of the yard tools and items being locked up, nothing further occurred. I also stopped welding in the barn at night for obvious reasons. When I saw this creature fully illuminated by the welder, it had to have been all of eight feet tall. It was absolutely gigantic. As the welder's light lit up its face, I could see that it was heavily creased with wrinkles. I could see no teeth because its mouth was closed, 
but the face had some hair on it in the form of a scraggly beard. Its face also looked like that of an Australian aborigine, with no offense against those folks whatsoever. Its bodily features were that of one muscle upon another, like that of a comic strip superhero or the like. It was that following spring, when the field behind our home was well-soaked from the receding snow and the spring rains, that I was walking around behind the house. I was still unable to shake off what I had seen months before, when I came upon numerous large footprints, well-formed in the soft grass. They were both deep and long, having obviously been made by this enormous creature. The footprints were at least 20 inches long, if not more, and very wide, with oddly shaped toes. They were formed in virtually a straight line, coming and going from the adjoining wood line which connected to my neighbor's lot, none of which were leading in the direction of our home, thank God. It was simply incredible to see. In the year following, we had no further activity relative, my, relative to my barn or missing items, and we actually remained there for six more years after the events of that time. What do you think of that, Kevin? Well, that is wild, Bill, but I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure I'd paint the windows black. You're like, yeah, I don't want this creature around, but yet if the creature is out there, I'd rather know he's out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then, like, open up the door to the barn to walk back into the house and be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's a little redundant because in his mind, I get what he was doing. He was yeah, painting yeah. them to he's keep the to, flesh. He's trying to keep him from being attractive right. to the barn in case he's attracted to the welding, which he appeared to be. Right. Right. And then after the fact, he went to welding during the daytime. Yeah, well, that's... Like he said, right? The ob- for obvious reasons. Good, good call. Because yeah. if you knew that giant creature was roaming around out there with all your rakes and shovels. <laughs> Jeez, you know. But, you know, he, yeah. the, uh, obviously, if you believe this account, the creature is attracted to this human activity. In this case, was this flashing blue light from the welder sparking illuminating the yard. He must have saw that like a fireworks display from the woods and came over to have a look. Yeah, just a curious thing. What is that? Yeah. Right? Flashing on and off, you know, lighting up the field. And No, uh, totally weird. Yeah, yeah totally very, just weird. very bizarre, you know. And Awesome account, though. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, we've heard this before with the things in the yard go missing. Uh, tools, this freaking wheelbarrow moved. I mean, obviously, it's not using the wheelbarrow. It's not going to farm or dig a ditch. But it took the wheelbarrow and moved it away. Now, was it trying to let on that I'm here? Or was it just doing something weird, moving it? It's it's hard to say, you know. I mean, we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Very cool. Interesting stuff, man. So there you have and it. And that, uh, that was near uh, Herkimer, New York, right? Yeah, Upstate they, they moved York? from Buffalo uh, to Herkimer or thereabouts. Right. And uh, this is where, you know, the sighting occurred, you know. But these areas of uh, downstate and upstate New York, 
I told people think there's nothing going on there. They're kooky. I had that security guard show me that foot footprint from regionally the same area a couple of months ago. Uh, I told you I was watching that show about large cats in America. Yeah. yeah. And they had sightings of uh, cougars and panthers in that area. Uh, so, listen, the thought that things can't live around there or survive around there is just baloney. Uh, there's plenty for everybody, including Bigfoot. Yep. Cool. Yep. Very cool. So there you have it. I love it. That's a that is a, a very cool account. Yeah. So what do we got in our uh, letters from our listeners? Yeah, we got some good listener mail. Um, first off, I'm, I'm going to mention a letter coming in from uh, Vinny in North Carolina, who writes us uh, a fair amount. We love hearing from you, Vinny. Vinny sent us a couple of notes along the way, letting us know about the initial obelisk sighting and then the second one in california and the one in romania so we're following along too vinnie uh but really appreciate the input um and uh keep uh keep uh the input coming and uh vinnie signs his uh mail your field reporter <laughs> <laughs> so we love it vinnie we got to run into you here in north carolina one of these days uh-huh yeah and the next one uh comes in from mike and um, Mike lives in that same area, Bill, of uh, New York that you're talking about in Dutchess County. I think that's right around there in downstate. Uh-huh. And he writes in, hey, guys, just wanted to say I love the podcast, have been catching up, and every show is better than the last. My brother Joe and I are true believers and have been since the days of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. We are in Dutchess County, New York. We have never had a sighting personally, but there have been a few in the area. I have heard howls recently, and I'm convinced it could be the big guy. Yeah. Keep up the great work, and we keep packing more gun than we think we're going to (laughs) need. That's a good man. All the best, Mike. And, I mean, it is December, Bill, so when he talks about the big guy, he's not talking about Santa, is he? Uh, No. No, (laughs) no. And uh, speaking of packing more gun, uh, one of the fellas I was talking to the other day uh, has quite a collection of firearms. (laughs) And (laughs) amongst other things, he told me he carries a thirty-eight snub-nosed revolver, and uh, when he goes out, Shall we say for a walk? <laughs> he has, I think he said a four fifty two Ruger. It's like a grizzly cannon. He said if you shoot it, your wrist will hurt you for days. <laughs> nice. I love that stuff, man. You know, and it always reminds me of Clint, good old Clint and Dirty Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a forty-four Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. Then he asked that guy, you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Oh, yeah. Well, he's like, I know what you're thinking in all the excitement. <laughs> was it five or was it six? <laughs> of course, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't ask a Bigfoot that same question. No, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, 
All right, and our next uh, letter comes in from Deb in Alaska, one of my favorite places. And uh, Deb writes, Hi, fellas, I listen to a number of podcasts, and I must say yours is different than most. I assume she means better, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Different is but, uh, left to interpretation, Deb. <laughs> but she goes on to write, You remind me of the Click and Clack Brothers from Car Talk. Uh, funny guys, all of you, I just want to say I'm enjoying your podcast. You both have so much information on whatever subject you're talking about. Thanks for all your hard work, Deb. Nice. Well, I'm, and thanks, Deb. We have heard that a lot. Uh, that it reminds them of the Boston duo of Click and Clack, <laughs> which was, you know, probably uh, uh, well, who knows? But one of my favorite radio shows uh, going back. They've retired now. I think you can still download their uh, recordings as a podcast. But I used to listen to it. It was on like 11 a.m. Each morning, each Sunday morning on WSHU out of Connecticut, and uh, the two Boston brothers apparently, supposedly, they graduated from MIT, so they're <laughs> super smart, but car mechanics and just fun. Uh, so it's a nice compliment to hear that because they were always having a good time. Yeah, and you know, Deb, uh, thanks for being different and contacting <laughs> us. <laughs> Difference, okay? <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah 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 all right we got another one coming in yeah. so this is from steve in oregon not oregon bill you mean you mean <laughs> oregon oregon <laughs> he said uh you read my account back in episode 48 i believe aha uh-huh. I'm writing in regards to your recent podcast discussing the cattle mutilations in Eastern Oregon. Yeah. A coworker of mine has a friend in Eastern Oregon that had a couple of photos shared to him by his friend uh, that was archery hunting in Northeastern Oregon. Mm-hmm. My coworker passed them on to me, and these photos were disturbing. The story was that this hunter had walked from camp in the same general direction for several days and had not noticed anything out of the ordinary. Right. But on one trip back through the area, he came upon this dead cow. It had not been dead too long, but bloating had started. The lips all around the face had been precisely cut off all around, exposing just the teeth and gum line. It also had been sliced across the belly, but not cut through into the guts. There was no blood. Said said they thought it had been drained. Apparently contacted the authorities and the FBI ended up on the scene. They actually put up some trail cameras and monitored the carcass for some time. I guess there were vultures and other predators that came to the carcass but would not touch it and left it. Pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. Take care, Steve. Yeah, I spoke to uh, this fellow, and we had a lengthy conversation. Uh, But a reminder, my friend, he was—you're going to send the pictures out to me to still shot. So please, still do that. I haven't received them as of yet. Uh, I wanted to see them. Uh, He asked that we not post them, but I haven't received them yet anyway. So that's a moot point. Yeah. Uh, but we won't post them, though. You know, we we only post stuff that folks want us to. Post. That's right. 
but uh, interesting, though, in Oregon. Uh, hey, nice job. Dad. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a little different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little different, honey child. <laughs> I like to wear quarter length boots. <laughs> as long as you're not wearing tights tucked in them and your underwear outside of the tights. Oh, my goodness. I'm visualizing. I'm saying, that was quite a look for the vintage yeah, Batman and I'm Robin. visualizing that right now, and I got to shake it off. Well, I tell you, Bill, I don't know if you if you if I told you this, but I actually I think it was last Christmas. My daughter uh, gave me uh, the full uh, DVD set of Batman and Robin, the vintage stuff. Uh, and I'll tell you what, that is laugh out loud fun. Yeah, yeah. Those guys were way ahead of their time, except for in the wardrobe department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, getting back to uh, cattle mutilations in uh, Oregon. These things happen way more often than people will ever know. And uh, like the fellow said I was talking to, uh, it'll never make the headlines of the newspaper. Uh, It's just like swept under the rug, much like the Bigfoot phenomena or any other high strangeness that's going on. And it just boggles my mind why and who thinks it's inappropriate to print such data and let the people have at it, uh, even if they want to laugh at it as being like a comical event, let them do it. But put it out there so that the general population uh, can read and know about what's going on and make their own judgment call. No doubt about it. You know, it's a weird thing, man. Why? You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it today. Uh, You know, my wife from Central America... The uh, Spanish television networks that we have on periodically, they have all kinds of strange things in their news broadcasts. And the same people that are telling you about, you know, uh, whatever, will break into the segment about a flying humanoid and yeah. uh, or uh, UFOs uh, sighted over Mexico City, or whatever it may be. I don't understand uh, why all this stuff has to be censored. Or why they feel it needs to be censored. You know what I mean, Kim? Yeah, I don't know. Very bizarre. Good, good, good. All right, and our last letter comes in uh, from Keith. And um, Keith writes, I listen to your podcast weekly since January of 2020. I'm not a believer in the myth of Bigfoot. I can, however, believe that there could be primates living in our forests that have not been identified or may have been released by irresponsible owners or a disgruntled circus employee. I'm sure one of you have been down to Cherry Log, Georgia. The Bigfoot Museum there is awesome. My son and nephew had a ball. If anyone is on the fence, they need to go see some of the evidence in person. It was amazing to see up close what we hear about on your show, and what we see on the TV. I still think there is some truth to this, but not what is being sold. Please keep up the good work and stories. It adds to my imagination, especially when I go out in the woods at night. Yeah. <laughs> so, Keith, I I haven't been to the uh, um, 
museum in Cherry Log, Georgia yet, but a lot of my neighbors here have been, and whenever they go, they bring me something back, you know, so I got a, a few t-shirts uh, and a sign and stuff like that from that museum, and they told me it's fantastic. I just, uh, although like I was in Atlanta on business earlier this week, I just never get a chance to get off of the beaten track out there, but I'll have to do it one of these days. Yeah, very interesting. You know, and something that uh, just popped into my head, Kev, while you were reading that, I was thinking about all the, the mention of Leonard Nimoy again. Oh, yeah. You know how many people were impacted by that show in search of? I, I Bill, I vividly remember him, you know, doing the, you know, reviewing the Patty Gimlin, you know, the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, I remember him doing those uh, desert paintings, right, and uh, crop circles and all kinds of stuff. Like, I mean, it was it was well done that it stuck with me yeah. this long. Yeah, and you know what? Getting back to the unpublished events in Oregon and other places, what is wrong with well done? Nimoy did it. People were fascinated with it. They were left to discern one way or another whether they believed it or not. And what is wrong with something well done and presented to the public? I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You're saying related to the news yeah, media. Yeah. I mean, we certainly have some great shows, more and more, on uh, cryptids and other oddities, and they're getting great rate ratings. You know, it's not just us tuning in. Like, a lot of folks are tuning in and watching these shows, you know, whether it's uh, um, Josh Gates, Expedition Unknown, and stuff like that, all of the Bigfoot shows, yeah. you know. yep. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they are they're cool. You know, most of them are really good. And of course, we're we're waiting for uh, the next season of uh, Skinwalker Ranch. That was that was fantastic that really last was. year. Their first season. And if you're a science freak, uh, it was completely scientifically based. All they were doing was oh, experiments. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, so so that's that's it for this week, Bill. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and writing in, and thank you for all those five star reviews. If you haven't left a review, or even if you haven't left one in a while, please leave us a five star re- review today as soon as you finish listening. And uh, those reviews are super important because it is the main uh, tool that brings more listeners to our podcast. And as we get more listeners. We're able to improve the quality of the podcast. So keep those five-star reviews coming and stay safe out there. Yeah, and folks, uh, go out there and buy a couple of books as stocking stuffers uh, and do Mr. Bill a favor. And by the way, (laughs) if you find yourself walking around the woods in Herkimer, New York, remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.